a birthday they'll always remember. Can we open my presents now, Mommy? A good guy! I know it! Hi, <laughs> I'm Chucky. He's something, isn't he? This is Andy's. Time for bed, Andy. Good night, baby. Good night, Aunt Maggie. Accidents happen at home. How did that happen? This is no accident. Andy! I'm Detective Mike Norris. Homicide. Andy! Miss Peterson's dead, Miss Barclay. She fell from the kitchen window. Someone's moved in with the Barclay family. And so has terror. Mommy, I know who was on the counter. Andy! Andy. Who, Andy? Chucky. Nobody believes you about Chucky. He came alive in my hand. I, I, I... Oh, for God's sake. Why won't you believe me? Because I'm sane, Mrs. Barkley. Sane and rational. No one believes the truth. <laughs> or lives to tell it. There's nothing nice about murder. <laughs> There's nothing innocent about child's play. Hello, and welcome to the pod and the pendulum the horror movie podcast dedicated to covering all franchises, one entry, and one episode at a time. I'm your host, Mike Snoonian. Now, before we start this week's show, a little bit of housekeeping. This was going to be the episode that we we were going to discuss the new Scream movie. If you've listened to the previous few shows, you've heard me say that a lot. Uh, and I was really excited to talk about it. With the Omicron a variant raging and the fact that a lot of people either a are uncomfortable about venturing to a movie theater or b can't go because of pre-existing conditions or being immunocompromised honestly i felt it was like the responsible thing to do for us to wait and let it hit vod shortly uh i can't ask any of my co-hosts to do something they're not comfortable with and i would hate for listeners to like not be able to hear the show um, because they don't want to be spoiled on it. So it is like as, as soon as I made that decision, I saw the movie and I'm like, oh man, I kind of regret this decision. I really want to talk about it. <laughs> um, 
But you know what? Maybe it'll be better to let us sit on it a little bit and kind of mull it over anyway. Uh, but if you do want to hear people talk about the new Scream, um, Kill by Kill and Halloweenies both have kick-ass episodes on it right now. And uh, I haven't finished all of it yet, but what I've heard of the uh, BFF episode on Corpse Club on the new Scream is also really good. So those are like three places you can get you know, spoiler-filled but awesome discussions in the new Scream. We'll come back in a few months with it, and it will kick ass. I promise you it'll be a great episode. All right. Today we're kicking off a new franchise. We are playing with our dolls, and we're talking about Chucky, starting with the 1988 slasher movie Child's Play. Uh, now, playing with toys is obviously no fun by oneself. There's no double entendre there. Uh, so I've... <laughs> Got some friends together for a play date, and we're going to welcome to the show. Please welcome first up uh, from the Losers Club, as well as Daily Grindhouse and other sites, Rachel Reeves. Rachel, how are we today? Hey, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I just had my booster yesterday, so I'm feeling a little stiff. But how are you feeling? All right. And honestly, this is really helping. Like mm-hmm. doing this, we just recorded an, um, a Losers Club episode earlier. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's no better distraction than just yeah. like, you know, chatting about awesome movies with friends. Excellent. It's great. So I'm really excited to talk about this movie with everybody. If you don't mind me asking, which they give you? Because I was like pfizer and then they gave me Moderna. And the Moderna, like I took a day off of work the next day. I'm like, oh, I'm going to stay in bed today. Yeah, I got Pfizer. I'm mm-hmm. three for three on Pfizer. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? Pain for a day, but hopefully going forward, that'll, you know, no pain going forward, right? Yep, totally. Exactly. Welcome aboard. Uh, Also, from the Bloody Blunts podcast coming on our show again and and, going to be rejoining us on a regular basis, let's welcome Devon Taylor. Devon, how are we? Hello, hello. I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. Um, I also have been covering the Scream movies like every other podcast mm-hmm. uh, lately, so um, we'll have our Scream 5-1 uh, next week, but um, and I'm glad to be done with Scream now. Like I felt mm-hmm. like I was only eating and breathing it for a hot minute, so mm-hmm. I'm excited <laughs> to uh, dive back into like is what is maybe my favorite slasher franchise, so uh, yeah, I'm Excellent. excited to uh, pop Excellent. in here for a few of these ones. Love it. All right. Well, we're glad to have you on board. And up last, her writing has appeared on a bazillion different places on the internet. She's guested on a number of shows, and I don't know if your new show has launched yet. Has it? Let's welcome Jessica Scott to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be back. Um, It has not launched yet um, because I am a filthy procrastinator on editing, but it'll be coming out pretty soon. I'm very excited about it. Uh, Nicole Goebbels, my co-host, and she Mm -hmm. is awesome, as you know. Um, she is. And I'm very excited to be here talking about Child's Play because this is probably the franchise I know least about. So I'm really excited to dive mm-hmm. into it. Excellent. All right. Well, we are stoked to have you on board. So let's, you know, let's dive in. Let's before we go into uh, briefly into the movie history. How about for each of you? Like, what was the first time you watched Child's Play and what sort of impression did it make on you? Rachel, let's start with you. Sure. Yeah. So I have to admit. You know, I put off seeing Child's Play for what I see as an unforgivably long mm-hmm. and embarrassing time. Um, but for, that was for a couple of reasons. So I think that, for one, dolls are just creepy. 
Yes. Like they've always creeped me out. And I kind of tend to push that those, you know, doll related horror films towards the the bottom of my watch list. Like uh, just, you know, between us, I still haven't even seen any of the Annabelles for the same reason. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's I don't know. Dolls are dolls are a thing. And yeah. I'm also a completionist. And I feel like if. Like, I, I'm never going to start a big franchise somewhere in the middle or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I always have to start at the beginning. And because there are so many installations in this franchise, it did kind of seem like a really daunting task. Mm-hmm. So I guess all that said, I didn't find it took me a long time to actually push play on the very first mm-hmm. one. I was probably in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. But when I did, I loved it. I thought it was, you know, way scarier and clever and generally just a better movie than I ever kind of imagined it was. And yeah. um, I'm glad I did because then it allowed me to watch, a, you know, the new sci-fi series that came out this last year, which is fantastic. So it's been a, it's been a fun franchise to get into. Excellent. Devon, how about yourself? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan. Um, I, the first time I saw Chucky, I actually saw Bride of Chucky first mm-hmm. whenever I was like pretty young. And that was the only one I saw for a while. I didn't realize that there were more. Um, and then, like, I then watched Child's Play. Like, I don't know. I think it was in high school, probably. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it was a Chucky movie because it was called Child's Play. So I didn't realize that it was connected to Bride of Chucky. And I was like, oh, so this is where it all started. But, like, since I'd seen Bride of Chucky, where he's, like, at maybe his, like, most comedic, mm-hmm. it kind of took some of the, the scariness out of the first yeah. time I watched Child's Play. Um, but then later on, once I like really binged through the franchise, I think like sometime before Curse of Chucky came out, um, that's when I like filled in all the sequels I hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. And then I really started to enjoy them for how distinct each one is from each other and uh, the yeah. creative continuity as well. You know, having seven movies that I all very much enjoy yep. still helmed by the same writer is uh is really cool and then you know not to plug my podcast twice in five minutes but do it, it was the first <laughs> franchise it, it was uh the first franchise that um i covered all the way through on blade blunt cinema club um so mm-hmm. um going through that that's whenever i like really have like um the appreciation so yeah. i cheated and i have lots of notes already <laughs> excellent that's that's a wonderful thing when you like already do a show and then get asked to do another one and you're like i don't have to write all my notes again oh thank fucking god and it's like a year later so i have brand new thoughts too so excellent yeah and there's that great box set it is like the seven film series um you can sometimes find it as low as like 25 bucks on blu-ray um that has all of the original child's play and chucky movies uh the only thing it lacks is the reboot uh because that's a different uh a different chucky or a different doll anyway uh i like the remake a lot i yeah i was like i, I didn't think too. it was i didn't think it was that bad <laughs> spoiler for eight episodes from now um, <laughs> it is a great double feature with toy story 4 which is how i saw it in theaters um jessica how about yourself uh, like I said, Child's Play is the franchise I'm least familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of grew up with Chucky being in the pop culture atmosphere, yeah. but never really thought it would be for me. So I didn't see the original until a year or two before that reboot came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really connect with it at the time because I um, was expecting like super creepy dolls, which is one of my favorite things. And it just didn't land with me because I was expecting Talkie Tina and I got Sam Kinison, which mm-hmm. kind of threw me for a loop, you know. 
Um, but then I saw the reboot and really enjoyed it. And I love the sci-fi series. Um, so I've kind of gotten back into it. I went, I'm kind of a completionist like Rachel, which is weird that I've been all over the place with this franchise, but I'm really excited to get back into the original, which I rewatched last night and absolutely loved it. So I think it's a matter of the movie hitting me at the right time Mm -hmm. and kind of coming to it in a weird backwards out of continuity way actually kind of helped Mm -hmm. me appreciate it more. Yeah, sometimes like seeing the others and enjoying them, you go back and rewatch a movie and it just hits you differently and it definitely, you're more ready for it or because you no longer, well, I already know what it is. I don't have the burden of expectations. You're like, okay, now I can accept it for what it is. Um, I'm like you, Devon, where I saw Bride of Chucky Chucky before any of the others, including the original. Uh, I was definitely old enough to be aware of the Child's Play movies. Like I would have been in like junior high school when this one hit. Um, But, you know, my parents were not going to let me watch it. And I don't think any of my friends ever rented it where I could sneak over to see it with them. I just like remember the original Child's Play commercials being all over TV and thinking like it looked really cool. Um for some reason, like Maggie's death, like stood out to me, like way before I ever saw the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I was definitely creeped out by Chucky because my sister had a, my buddy doll. Um, So (laughs) if you remember those from the eighties, like you see that and you see Chucky um, and you're like, I don't want to be anywhere near this thing. I think (laughs) I used to like punch it and try to hide it in the closet. Um, so my first experience with Chucky were the campier movies. And I remember watching the original a couple years later and being like really pleasantly surprised by how straight the first mm. movie is played in terms of being a straight up, you know, slasher horror movie. Um, and we'll definitely talk about that as we get in to the movie here. So before we discuss like the characters and our favorite events in the movie, just very briefly on the background, um, the idea of or, you know, basically producer uh, David Kirshner, who had worked with Sesame Street and the Muppets, as well as the animated film uh, An American Tale, wanted to get out of like children's programming and wanted to do something more adult, more contemporary, and also knew like, hey, horror is something where I can like cut my teeth on it and it will probably be successful um since there's like a built-in fan base for almost anything horror um writer don mancini was inspired by like the really frenetic run on things like the cabbage patch kids in 1983 where you literally had adults like stampeding into department stores and ripping dolls out of children's hands um and just like beating the shit out of one another to get their hands (laughs) on these plastic dolls uh he saw that and saw like the satirical possibilities right away so his original script was actually titled batteries not included and then his agent told him uh steven spielberg is doing a uh, movie called that and uh, we got to change the title so he changed it to blood buddies uh in, in the original script chucky is not a serial killer it's a doll that has like a synthetic blood in it And it actually bled and the hook behind the doll for children was going to be like, you could fix the doll. Like you could like put band-aids on it. You could. Yeah. Absolutely. The stuff of nightmares right there. (laughs) I think Um, Chucky is beyond. I can fix him. 
Yes, he definitely, <laughs> he definitely is. Um, but what happens is like Andy in the original script made a blood pact. Like we became blood brothers with Chucky and that's what brought the doll to life. Uh, and what happened was like the doll would basically like kill anyone that looked at Andy funny or scolded him or disciplined him in any way. Kind of like what the uh, remake was like where the doll's trying to protect uh protect the kid um hmm. so that script is optioned um and it is rewritten by john La- screenwriter john lafia and also the director of this like tom holland also rewrote the script and that's where elements like the serial killer is added uh chucky being the serial killer as well as like the voodoo elements of it and it's something like Mancini doesn't like. He, he He's on the record saying, I don't like the voodoo elements because like, why wouldn't he just make a doll of everybody and then, you know, make them do his will? Like, why wouldn't he just do a doll of Andy and then immediately like bend him to his will so he could get into the body? But whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, that that mm-hmm. sounds like it like would have been really cool. Like mm-hmm. the, the idea of like him, like, being bonded to andy in that way yeah um it like kind of sounds like um what they kind of did in pumpkin head a little bit kind of like, yeah. they like yeah. have like that blood connection and like is like mm-hmm. kind of like uh to do his bidding in a way yeah it's interesting i would love to read that script and just yeah. see how it mm-hmm. measures up and it is interesting because mancini is so obviously like one of the things and i think um devon you kind of hit on this how like he is so associated with the character in the franchise, like unlike even more than like scream, which is like Wes Craven. He did the first few, four movies. Um, Mancini has like shepherded the child's play franchise across like seven movies and the uh, now the television show, which makes up like another, you know, three, four movies right there in terms of runtime. So it's really like almost one person's vision. And, what he originally conceived to where it went are so different. Um, one thing that like Holland and Lafia removed, like a lot of the satire around capitalism was removed. Um, his script sounded almost a lot of what like Gremlins two became uh, with Joe Dante a few years later in the original script. Andy's mom uh, is a marketing executive for the good guy dolls. Uh, and she has changed like a single parent working in a department store. So, you know, just wanted to touch briefly on the background of the movie, but let's dive into it. So my question for everyone is, you know, what do we make of Chucky as a character first, since he is our main character? Like what really works? Like Devon, what are you, what are your initial impressions of Chucky in particular, like in this first movie? Uh, yeah, so like in this first movie, I definitely feel like um, I feel like one and two is when Chucky's at his scariest mm-hmm. um, before he like really kind of brings that like dark charm that we like kind of like, you know, like he has kind of a similar trajectory as Freddy, but I don't think he went too far into it. I think that sure. they like kind of found the sweet spot and then just kept it there after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like having Brad Dorif like kind of evolve with this character as well um, is just super awesome. Like he really puts like so much behind the vocal performance in it. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it, it, in this one, it's like this is a different Charles Lee Ray. Like this is when he's like not proud. He doesn't embrace like the killer doll aspect yet. Like he doesn't want this. He wants to mm-hmm. get a body back. And like so he's frustrated and he's on the run. So it's like 
this one he has like he's a little more sinister um compared to um some of his portrayals in like later on films um and and especially with the the design too like how they kind of leaned a little bit more into like how the doll becomes like more human like that's like really scary um scarier than a lot of other things because like in the grand scheme of it like we really don't get a ton of talking chucky action in this but we do get like enough Mm -hmm. yeah the the way the doll changes its look as the movie progresses to become slightly more human looking and much more menacing as it goes on is really good and we'll talk about kevin yeager and his designs in a little bit but that's one of the nice touches i think like if it just stayed that kind of plastic toy doll look the whole movie I don't think it would be nearly as effective. I think because he gets more humanized as it goes on, like it becomes that much creepier. Jessica, what about yourself? I think th- I, I'd like Devon kind of touched on this. Like there are different kinds of scary. Like mm-hmm. when Chucky has Brad Dorff's voice, he's very menacing. He's very sinister. Um, you're afraid of what he's capable of. But when he's just that, like you said, the plastic like really innocent cherubic doll and he's not talking or he's talking in the, you know, Heidi Ho voice instead Hi, of <laughs> yeah. friend to the end. That's way scarier to me is where you've mm-hmm. got that blank slate to project all these horrible things on. And you've got that innocent voice with all the menace going on underneath. So I'm, I'm much more scared by the Chucky POV shots and the shots of him running around, mm-hmm. but I'm, um, scared in a different way when Chucky is talking or when he's taking on the features of Brad Dorf mm-hmm. when he gets angry. So it's, I, that's one of the really cool things about this franchise for me is that it kind of explores different kinds of fear in that way. Mm-hmm. There, you know, it's funny. You mentioned like being more scared of like Chucky's doll voice. And that voice was based on an actual doll called Corky. And they hired the voice actor who voiced the doll Corky of the doll Corky to voice Chucky's um, non Brad Dora voice. So it's Mm. the same voice. And what happened after child's play came out, like all these parents like who got the doll, like complained (laughs) to the company, like this is freaking my, you know, freaking me out. This is awful. The company actually went out of business, like not too long after, like nobody was buying Corky dolls. Any longer because of um, because of you know Corky's voice and Chucky's voice being the same. I think that was that was really that that Sucker is really funny, but also pretty sad. I mean, people lost their jobs. I know, Sam. How about yourself, Rachel? You know, just like what Jessica was saying, there's I'm unsettled by different parts of Chucky. Mm-hmm. For what like does. I don't know. My grandma growing up had like one of those dolls that would like stand in the corner for some reason. I, you know, do you, if you know what I'm talking about, yes. that's yes. just like face that way. And it, like yeah. the, Chucky really has that kind of energy when he, you know, when he's not talking, but mm-hmm. and I, to me, it's just so unsettling. Cause you know, just like the mom in this is like, you know, say something like talk and like everybody's trying to get him to talk, but he doesn't, but then, you know, behind your back, he'll, you know, scuttle behind the couch mm-hmm. or whatever. Like it's, that's terrifying (laughs) and the fact that he's knowingly not saying anything like god he's such an asshole but i guess that's you know the other part is that when 
you know, Charles Lee Ray's personality shines through, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it. <laughs> he really is like, he's really brutal. Like he's no. cold and like just so menacing and like doesn't care that it's like this kid that he's, you know, completely traumatizing mm-hmm. for life. And I mean, as we see later, like literally rewriting the whole course of his life and the mom and the aunt and everything, like he's just really brutal in his Mm -hmm. how and who he attacks so yeah yeah. there's something very disturbing about the first time he reveals himself to andy's mom um where you have this like really still cherubic looking doll like this innocent look and you know that he's not uh as an audience we know but when he reveals himself to the mom and it's this like absolute litany of profanity. Where it's like, <laughs> you slut, you bitch, yeah. you fucking bitch, I'll fucking kill you. Um, and you're like, there's something that is like, I want to, I, this says a lot about me. I just want to show that clip to like very young children and just watch them <laughs> react <Why>? to it. <laughs> oh, there's I mean, just something about scaring kids that warms the bottom of the dregs of my heart. <laughs> I used to do that to my sisters. One of my mm-hmm. one of my sisters, she collected like baby dolls, like that was like her thing. And mm-hmm. uh, I would like hold it like around like the couch or something, like at mm-hmm. night, and like mess with her and stuff. I thought it was love hilarious. it. You and have I, to I do even, this. Oh yeah, you you gotta get them. You know, you especially. I'm like, hey, you chose to own these things. Yeah, so, like this, this really is on you. Little sisters really don't serve any point except for older brothers to terrorize them. I mean, really, <laughs> that's the only reason parents should have like more than one child, <laughs> so that like as the older child, you can traumatize the younger one, um, so that persons like me can see them in therapy years later. Um, <laughs> that's really why we should procreate. Um, my mom has a friend who like a very sweet woman she bought the hair salon my mom and her sisters own and they've been friends for years um but she's like not the best gift giver and i remember when my daughter was really young like two years old maybe she bought her this like chucky size baby doll like it was a baby but the size (laughs) of chucky and it had the most like disturbing look on its face it was truly the things of nightmares. And I am pretty sure that like on the way home from getting it, like we immediately landfilled it. Like we're like, (laughs) this is not, this is not going in our home. Um, I, you know, I was watching the uh, shutter um, behind the monsters episode on Chucky and uh, Anya Staley, who is just one of the best writers and personalities in horror. um, I think put it great when she was talking about, what the appeal of the original Chucky is. She called him the original reply guy. Uh, we're basically, you know, you look at where we are now with like internet culture and it's usually a bunch of really loud people screaming impotently on the internet and just kind of harassing everyone. And Chucky is that person. And she said like, what really cracks her up about Chucky is that you have this like 18 inch or two foot tall doll, just screaming the most profane things. You're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's Twitter most days. <laughs> uh, and I really, really like that interpretation of him. Um, you know, and I want, I think Brad Dourif brings so much to it. Like so much is like his personality and his voice going in. He gets the assignment and he's such a good mix of like 
menacing, but also kind of enjoying himself at the same time as well. Um, one of the things about like the original movie, like Duraf is on set with like Hicks and Sarandon and, and Alex Vincent. And he, as they were, he's rehearsing with them and acting out all of the mannerisms um, before he goes into the voice, the, the booth to record his like vocals for it. So he was giving like a really physical performance. Um, here's, you know, the argument against Chucky is always like, it's a doll. Like at the end of the day, it probably weighs about seven pounds. Um, you should be able to just like fling it out the window. Um, so here's my question. Does Chucky have the proportional strength of a man? Like, does he have like Char- Charles Lee Ray's strength in a doll sized body? So he's kind of like a mini Hulk or is it just that like he's you're not expecting it so you get the element of surprise i always thought it was like kind of like like little kid strength Mm -hmm. like like somebody that size kind of the the equal human strength that he would have Mm -hmm. because i think that there is a lot to be said for the surprise factor because Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i don't know what i would do if all of a sudden like some doll was on my back trying to bite my neck but oh i (laughs) shit myself is what i would do yeah because i feel like if i'm actually thinking about this you know Mm -hmm. i'm pushing up my glasses scientifically i feel like if he jumped on them and like actually was like a compressed strength kind of like the hulk he would have been like Mm -hmm. a lot heavier (laughs) and beefier and maybe you would have seen people like fought like Mm -hmm. dealing with that weight more while they are kind of flailing around pretty easily with him um but for some reason still have a really hard time getting him off of him so yeah i don't know i feel like if he's doll strength if you survive the first attack and you're prepared for him, yeah, then you should be able to take him down pretty easily. I think you're right. It's that initial two foot tall thing that should not be jumping on your back. That would be the thing that would absolutely mess you up. He's um, also attacking in ways that I think that like, as you know, like a, a person, like you're not used to like mm-hmm. somebody like coming at your ankles, yes. you know, or like hitting you with a toy. Hand. I don't mm-hmm. know the way he's attacking you. It's it's like something yeah. you wouldn't necessarily be prepared up with for right. because how often are you encountering something that's attacking mm-hmm. you in that way? I mean, I guess outside yeah. of a honorary child. Yeah. <laughs> the, the best comparison I can make is like Gage in Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Gage is still baby strength. Um, like if I remember correctly, and maybe this is just my imagination, like at the end of Pet Cemetery, like Lewis chucks Gage down the hall. Like he tosses him like a football, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's so, after he slices his Achilles though. So yeah, it's like you're right. not expecting mm-hmm. that. You're expecting somebody to come at you, you know, from yeah. a different direction. So it's, I don't know, it's fi- it's fighting dirty. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Jessica, what do you think? So I always thought he had the strength of a man because it's mm-hmm. it's the plastic hammer throw that always gets me. Sure, like <laughs> if a child throws a plastic hammer at your forehead, it's just going to go think and fall mm-hmm. off instead of you know propelling you through a window from the sheer mm-hmm. force of it. You know, <laughs> so I kind of always assumed that he was very lightweight and pliable, but had you know the strength of an adult man, mm-hmm. where it makes it so much harder to fight him off when he's biting you or trying to strangle you. That's the other thing is the biting. Like I've worked with populations that like their go-to move is biting. 
and that freaks you out. Like I will say that like that was the thing that always threw me off my game. Like if somebody went to bite my face or my arms, um, if they were really, really upset, like that immediately, like all reason went out the window. So as soon as like, I guess if Chucky bit my shoulder or anywhere, I would probably at that point lose the ability to kind of rationally think, how am I going to get out of this attack at this point? Yeah. Yeah, so I think, like, Chucky, as you see him in this movie, uh, he's scary. You know, I think mm-hmm. the comparison is definitely made to Freddy in that he's, like, a vocal killer, unlike Michael or unlike Jason. And he does have a sense of humor, although he's not necessarily cracking jokes throughout the whole movie on this one. So um, he's taking he's taking pleasure in it, too. Yes. Like... You know, if he really was like so concerned with just transferring his spirit back to another body, like he, I mean, he could do that. They're mm-hmm. like, I'm sure there's a way, but like somehow I mean, he still is going around killing all these people, like yeah. just and having fun doing it. So there's mm-hmm. something really unsettling about that too, because he doesn't mm-hmm. have to do that, but yeah. he is. <laughs> and he delights in the overkill and the creativity of the kills. Yeah, like the mm-hmm. doctor where who keeps telling Andy, "Oh, it's all in your head," with the um. I'm not even sure the oh, electroshock. Yes, thing. thank you. Yeah. The electroshock collar thing around his head. He, Chucky is loving that. He is loving every second of that, and it goes on way longer than it has any need to or any right to. Oh yeah. So I just uh, that's another thing about why he's so scary. Like he loves what he does. <laughs> he loves killing yes. people in the most gruesome ways and prolonging mm-hmm. it for as long as he can. Yeah. And he, yeah, and, and I just I can never get over it, that he has no qualms about just traumatizing this sweet little boy. Like, like he goes out of his way to kind of like make Andy look like he's just making it all up and just having no, I don't know, no regard for this poor little boy that's getting taken away from his family. I know that's that was one of my favorite things about revisiting it after the tv series which spoiler alert andy as an adult comes back and i just Mm -hmm. kept thinking about the betrayal of your best friend as a little kid that who you loved and was like your one companion because your your single mom is always working you don't have a lot of friends you're so betrayed by this entity that turns out to be using you and trying to turn everybody against you i can't imagine Mm -hmm. the trauma and the lifelong you know, trust issues and sense of you know, lack of safety in your life. Just it, I, it made me really appreciate everything Andy goes through even more. Oh, I mean, yeah. just think of how prevalent toys and dolls are going to be in society, like through your whole life. Like mm-hmm. if you have kids of your own, like, are you going to be the parent that buys your kids like nothing but clothes for their birthdays and Christmas? <laughs> or if you go to like a birthday party where there are kids, like, do you start having like flashbacks whenever you see a doll? Yeah. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you're right. Like the trauma that that would inflict would be insane. And I guess that's a good spot to maybe discuss like Andy a little bit. Oh yes, please. Played by Alex Vincent, who reading like looking at the behind the scenes of this and like watching some of the making of he got alex vincent got he was really young like five or six when he made this he got the role because he was supposed to use the word like bitch in a scene in his tryout and he couldn't say it he just like couldn't bring himself to say Mm -hmm. it so he kept saying he couldn't remember the line couldn't remember the line and after three or four times of them reminding him of it he was finally started to cry and was like, I don't want to say it. And they were so impressed by how he could fool them into thinking he doesn't know how to say it, that they 
gave him the part. Um, he's really good in this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's a tremendous child actor, but I believe he's that young. And there's something sweet about Andy in this movie. He's devastatingly he, cute. Like, yeah. He is. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't take it. Like, yeah. but, but like he does have like the, the that scene like towards the end when he's like, "I don't want to die. Don't let Chuck again." Mm-hmm. Like, oh he's yeah. Actually acting. Then mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, really in the that. in like the <laughs> hospital or wherever he is mm-hmm. when he's crying. Like, I literally choke up every time because he's mm-hmm. really crying. And it, oh god, it's just heartbreaking to see a little kid yeah. like actually that scared. And it's is oh, it? Gosh. Is it? I can't. It is. Actually. <laughs> it has to be. Yes, it is. Yeah, I I felt the same way. I was just so heartbroken and just mm-hmm. oh, it's so touching. And I I do think he was doing a really great job of acting in that moment. And it's just oh god, it's such a good like it's such a good like crime drama and family mm-hmm. drama on top of being a horror movie. And that moment gets me so much. Oh yeah, what I love about the character of Andy and how he's written and how he's performed is they allow him to be a six year old kid. Like yeah. he's not a six year old kid that's wise beyond his ears. And you're like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, like I love when he opens like first when he's making breakfast for his mom and mm-hmm. he has that, like he takes like the fruit loop cereal or it's actually, it's a, it's a good guy cereal. Yeah. <laughs> and then that is like 98% sugar to begin with. <laughs> and then he just starts throwing like, heaping tons of sugar on top of it to the point where I'm like, Oh man, someone get this kid some, some insulin, you know, right. (laughs) You know? Um, And then when he makes like the burnt toast and he basically has like a French vanilla scoop of ice cream (laughs) and his butter on there. Like, yeah, that's how like a five-year-old would make breakfast in bed and run it over to his mom. And I love when he opens up his first gift and it's clothes and he's like, can't hide his disappointment yeah but he also wasn't a brat about it like i don't know there's he does a really good job about kind of silently conveying that he knows his mom is trying her best which is like a very strange thing to like see a little kid do and like see a character do like he i don't know he's always really sweet about it he's like Mm -hmm. yeah he doesn't want the clothes but he also isn't like yeah gross clothes you know there's an acknowledgement there i think yeah even when he gets the um tool set he's like well i wanted the doll to go with it (laughs) yep that's what a kid would say you know yeah but it's also i'm i'm sorry just how cruel is it of her to take a box shaped like a good guy wrap it in good guy wrapping paper and put like one pair of jeans in it (laughs) bad bad move mom (laughs) that is that is my kind of mom right there. <laughs> Karen Karen Barclay is my kind of mom. I want to party with her because <laughs> that's just how you mess with your kids right there. Um, I love that move. So, um, yeah, and I what I love about Andy is how he just accepts like, oh, you're my doll that's come to life. And um, you're telling me that like, my aunt Maggie is like a bitch and you want to watch a news like sure. Like total, totally accepts it. Like um, states his case plainly matter of fact, like, yeah, Chucky did it. Like it's so matter of fact with him. Um, you don't think, you know, it's, and it's like that kind of openness that like kids would have. Well, yeah. And you, like you expect the toy to talk, right. And like, you're mm-hmm. watching this TV show and like this whole thing. So it's kind of like, I mean, 
it's like he doesn't realize where the line is and mm-hmm. it's like oh no something else is happening and i think that is like a very like honest little kid response because you're just like oh this is what he does like yeah. i've seen the commercials i've seen the the tv show like he talks to me and he's talking to me but doesn't realize that like no this is this is it's a little beyond <laughs> the stall's capability yes oh god and that the first time you when he's watching the commercial and you see like the giant good guys doll like yeah, <laughs> no thank you oh size. With that. that is so much more terrifying than anything else like that kind of like hagrid size good guys <laughs> doll with a bulbous head like that is one of the scariest things God. in the movie i want like a side quill with just like that freaking thing <laughs> running havoc uh yeah. like give me a zerbruda film with Man sucks. <laughs> oh um, you can have that film. My <laughs> oh, I don't want it. it. <laughs> you would. I, you know what? I think when you, if if it came out, you would see it and be like, you know what? I didn't know that I wanted it, but I needed it. Didn't yeah, know maybe. it, but I actually needed it. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep. I'll, I'll remain open minded about mm-hmm. it. What do we think of of Karen Barclay as, in terms of like horror moms? Like, I really, I love Catherine Hicks's performance in this movie. Uh, and I and I think like Karen brings a lot of different elements to this movie that I really like. Yeah, I agree. She's a, I mean, she's a great mom, you know, actor. Obviously, she went on to do a ton of Seventh Heaven and stuff and like really embodies that. She also I mean, she's so sweet and like just trying to do the best. Um, I always wonder like how she affords that apartment because that apartment that building is incredible by the way like i know it's a real building right in chicago but like it's just stunning and like i would kill for her apartment are you kidding me um but she's just you see the struggle too where like she thinks andy's lying to her and so thinks that there's like of course something going on underneath you know in the surface or maybe you know something emotionally but really struggling to believe her own son and i think that that's really she she conveys that really well that struggle of like wanting to do the best thing for her son and like really worried but also like wait should i believe my son like i don't know it's it's a hard thing to watch but i think she navigates it really well yeah i like the turn she takes like once she realizes what's really going on and she believes that chucky is alive she will stop at nothing to protect her son and to let everybody know what's happening like i love her dedication she doesn't care how crazy she sounds. She doesn't care who she has to, you know, what terrifying voodoo layer she has to walk into to get to the bottom of it. Like she will do anything now that she knows the truth. I, you know, you kind of hate that it took that to get her there because that's one of my pet peeves is when people don't believe kids in horror movies. Cause the kids yeah. as open as kids are, they're always the ones who see the truth first. But once she gets there, she will move heaven and earth to protect her son and to get everybody else on board, like, no, okay, there's a killer doll, get with the program, you know? Yeah. It's it's interesting because obviously there's some sort of, like, family tragedy. Um, you know, I think you see pictures of a man up in the house, which I think is like a picture of Tom Holland, the director. I could oh. be wrong, but I believe that's who the actual framed photo is. So uh, to me, that suggests that, like, dad has passed away. Because I think that if they were, like, separated, she wouldn't have his picture up. Um but to me, it suggests that like Karen's a young widow and, you know, Andy uh, had lost his dad in the sometime like recent past. Um, and so you figure like there's going to be the grief that she's going through, 
the trauma that Andy's going through. And you kind of wonder like what sort of world, because children can invent these like really fantastical worlds and like what sort of worlds is Andy inventing in order to kind of allow him to cope uh, and allow him to kind of get through this like really sad time. And when your mom, you see that and you understand that, like, you know, your adult brain, like if someone comes to you and says, uh, oh yeah, my children's toy came to life and um, it's back. Uh, he, he pushed your best friend out the window. He did it. Um, you're obvious. Like you're going to be like, that's, that's crazy talk. Like, please. And you're going to, you know, if it persists, you're going to bring him to see someone like me because you're going to be disturbed. But then when things don't start adding up, you're like, well, am I the one that's crazy right now? Because something is missing here. Um, and to your point, Jessica, like once she sees the truth that, you know, she's like, I don't care how insane this sounds like this is what's going on. You better believe me. Um, and Devon, we were just talking, welcome back. We were just talking about um, Karen Barclay as a horror mom and what our impressions are of her. Yeah, sorry about that. I have a, I actually oh have boy. a haunted ventriloquist doll. And I think it sabotaged <laughs> my, sabotaged my equipment here. So that's what we got going on. But uh, yeah, Karen is, um, you know, mm-hmm. a really great mom. And I always kind of forget that every time. Um, you know how prominent she is in this film whenever I uh, rewatch it and uh, she really puts on a really great performance and um, you know it's a it's a mom we don't really get to see all that often you know I think it was maybe the right decision to mm-hmm. change her into a, a struggling single mom and uh, you know to really kind of hone in on like you know like how hard it is to um, you know what mm-hmm. she's willing to do to you know make her son happy and there's always something uh, very special about that when it when you see a parent like you know willing to do something like and then like the her reaction whenever Andy you know <laughs> yep. receives and he's like I knew you would get it and like her like mm-hmm. look of like relief of what she did for him what do you think at the end of this movie obviously like Andy's good guy's doll is completely destroyed what do you think like the makeup gift is? Because if you're a kid, <laughs> oh, you're gosh. totally gonna be like my my birthday <laughs> gift got destroyed. Like, what would be the makeup gift at that point? What could you possibly get your kid? Move. Move. <laughs> yeah. Um, what What was the console in '88 that was popular? The Famicom. It would have been Nintendo. You would have been like right in the sweet spot of the original NES. Um, and she nothing discount she's she's paying full price oh god yeah oh we're gonna talk about her buying Mm -hmm. the doll in a minute yeah absolutely uh she's getting the extended warranty like you know (laughs) to make sure that if this this system's like because those nintendos came with like rob the robot so you know she's throwing that thing in the trash and just kicking the console um (laughs) you know and rachel you made the point like that apartment like single mom in chicago like I love like movie poverty versus real life poverty where they're yeah. like, you know, you have like a 1200 square foot apartment with a working fireplace on the penthouse floor. But, you know, you have to like buy your kid's birthday gift in a back alley from yeah. a homeless person like that's movie poverty right there. Mm-hmm. Love it. 
Does it get more Chicago than that, though? Buying something from a back alley peddler and like they're no. not scared at all either. Like Maggie talks shit to mm-hmm. the guy, like, and she's the one that suggested they go visit. We're gonna come back to him in just a minute. Um, I, you know, looking at that department store, I immediately thought of like Christmas vacation, and I wanted like a National Lampoon's Vacation, Child's Play crossover where Chucky and Charles Griswold. Uh, another Chucky are like interacting with one another. There's still time. Make it happen. Um, All right, let's move. Or where's the jingle all the way? I would love that. That would be amazing. I watched jingle all the way with my family this Christmas season. I introduced them to it and they're like, this is so terrible. And yet the best movie we've ever seen. Um, How (laughs) accurate assessment. Yeah. How can it, you know, God. So speaking about kids, we talk about Andy as a believable kid. Like, what is it? Jake Christopher in that movie? I know he would go on to play Anakin Skywalker and then never act again. Um, how this kid doesn't know that Arnold Schwarzenegger is his underneath all of the Turbo Man outfit. Like, it's not like he has a cowl like Batman. Um, <laughs> a, he just has a yellow visor. And... Yeah. That's it. And an Austrian accent. <laughs> like how he doesn't know, like that, da- that's the definition of an absentee dad at that point. You don't even know what he sounds like. Oh, yeah. Or his wife either. His wife oh, yeah, either doesn't recognize him. She's totally checked out. She's like, I am out of this marriage. Um, all right. So let's talk about some of the set. Let's kind of run through some of the set pieces really brief. I love how this movie opens. I love how you actually mm-hmm. get Brad Dourif and you're kind of like dropped like right into the action where if you didn't know any better, you think you're watching like the third act of like a eighties cop drama where like Chris Sarandon's cop is like chasing um, Charles Lee Ray, like through the mean streets gets off a good shot. Um, and you know, Brad Dourif, like that righteous anger and rage when he knows that he's dying and he's just so pissed off. Like, that's terrifying. I love this whole scene. Yeah, definitely kind of sets up, you know, Charles Lee Ray's, like, ongoing struggle with his mm-hmm. mortality, like, you know, throughout the series. Like, you know, because then when he's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll transfer myself into this doll. Now I can't die. And, like, yeah. that becomes his obsession until he, you know, realizes that that's not the case either. Um, so it's interesting. And I, like... um the the uh, score during this scene is uh, really good. Um, kind of really sets the tone for the rest of the movie pretty well. It's really thrilling. Yeah, um, I, I do. Yeah, I love that. like Brad selfishly. I love this that we get to see Brad Dorif as someone with a mm-hmm. crush on him, but also just <laughs> the intensity he brings to this mm-hmm. performance. <laughs> like he does such a good vocal performance anyway, but seeing the intensity in his face before we get to doll Chucky just adds that extra element where you're always kind of projecting Brad Dorif as Brad Dorif, that intensity and that menace into the doll, even when it's just sitting there, which is fantastic. And yeah, I love the action where you're just thrown in, you know what's going on. It's like really tight storytelling. You know exactly what's happening and you're, you're sold like right from the Mm -hmm. jump. Oh, yeah. It doesn't hide what it is, which I think is really cool. It's like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. Like, All right. And then you're like, you're 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 on that roller coaster right there. Yeah. There's no like hiding that, that like, I don't know. I feel like some modern movies would like hide that like supernatural twist a mm-hmm. little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, nope, here it is right up front. 
Yeah. It, it, it feels like it needs it a little bit because it feels like if you were just to hear Brad Durv's voice coming out of Chucky, it might, and have never seen him, it might be a little bit too much as an audience. Like it might come off as like hokey. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and I think like you, when you see Durf, mm-hmm. I think he has a great physical pr- presence, even though he's not like a massive person, there's something about his eyes and this, in particular, his jawline that gives off this real air of like menace and danger to him in that scene. Mm-hmm. And also like mm-hmm. the way he's able to drop like the timber of his voice when he's screaming at, uh, Chris Sarandon, you're just like, that is not a guy I would trifle with at this point. Yeah. So I really like that. And I think like getting to see him for just a few minutes, you are more able to kind of buy him as this kind of like really horrific, menacing, dangerous character. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, I love like Karen buying, buying Chucky in a back alley. First of all, like the eighties were like a huge time for like hobo horror. I mean, it's something we don't get now, but when you think like you have child's play, you have like Alice Cooper as a hobo in Prince of Darkness, like yep. doesn't get any better. Yep. You have like Hellraiser, like you have like the hobo in that who has like the whole box. They live. Halloween 3, there's even a moment in like uh, Santa Clara. <laughs> and of course, like street trash, like really. Oh, yeah, the pinnacle. Which is the <laughs> pinnacle of hobo horror. Um, really like just you know what i don't what know will be so um i don't really have a greater point aside from the fact that like that was a real high point i think in terms of like dip, you know showing that in in horror movies like the 80s weren't afraid to show it but what i love is like karen and maggie are like wait a minute how do we not how do we know this doll's not stolen and i'm just like do you think if you're <laughs> yeah, where good- do you think he got it <laughs> right like like, if you're like the veep at good guys, you're like, all right, we got to roll out this new doll. Now, we have two things we can do. We can either, A, ship them by, like, the thousands to, like, <laughs> you know, department stores and Child's World and Toys R Us. Like, we can either do that or, hear me out, it's a little crazy. <laughs> we deploy the, we the homeless agents. Every homeless like... person in America with a with a good guy doll and one by one they're gonna sell it like what do you think that doll came from i love that scene i do wonder like why did chucky like why did he get back in the box though Mm -hmm. like that was that was he just hiding maybe i missed that but like it seems like once he's like transferred why wouldn't he just be like i gotta go like why (laughs) would he like go to all the effort to like get put back in the box and he I mean, I guess because it's in the script, that's why. But maybe like, because, <laughs> because, yeah, maybe there was a cooling period after <laughs> yeah. the voodoo ritual. Had to like set. He had, for to, a little he bit. had to just wait out for a minute. <laughs> yeah, had to set into the doll. It could be like obviously the cops would have descended on the scene, and he couldn't just run off. I don't know. And yeah, all right. That's good, a, that good, is yeah. a good point. That is a good maybe, point. Maybe he was just hiding for mm-hmm. a little bit so that they couldn't find him. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Aside from weed, what is the craziest thing you've bought from a back alley <laughs> peddler <laughs> at one point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, just like some. 
just some sure. Like, I feel like it was like some lame maybe. tourist stuff, like when <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like when went to New York in like middle school. Um, like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm gonna pay like thirty dollars for this really cool shirt or something. <laughs> definitely some bootleg DVDs back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do love that. It's really funny. Like Maggie is like, for whatever reason, like she's the one that is like insistent. Then Karen goes out and gets the doll from this person. But then she's like weirdly aggro with him. Like she's like ready to throw hands. She's like, ah, up yours. Like, dude, this guy's just trying to make a living, you know, <laughs> and here you are giving him a hard time. I mean, she got him down from a yeah. hundred to yeah, 30. No I call that a win for the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and poor Maggie gets the the probably the best set piece death in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's funny is like they in the uh, commentary with uh, David Kirshner and Don Mancini, they talk about the elevator and how like that shot let them like think like oh this movie's a little bit more than just like a B horror movie like there's a bit yeah. of to it and they said Hitchcockian which is interesting because you know Tom Holland's big break was scripting Psycho 2 um that's where he got his like kind of like big break in in movie making um and there is something like absolutely Hitchcockian about her death including like rewatching it again like her f- backpedaling out the window reminded me a lot of like Aberroth's death in Psycho where he's pinwheeling down the stairwell after he stabs oh, yeah. by mm-hmm. Norman. But what do we make of the overall, the way the scene is set up, the tension? Like, I I think it's perfect. I do too. This is really the first moment, I think, where you're, you know, Holland is letting people in, just like you said on the, on, not the joke, but like, it's like, oh, this is not just a B-horror movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of staging that went into this. There's a lot of thought and rehearsal and, you know, probably storyboarding and logistics because, you know, I would imagine that that was like a a set, you know, that they built to do that. And they're not mm-hmm. just doing it out on the street. But, like, there's a lot of thought that went into that one scene. And it didn't have to be. It didn't. They didn't have to do that, but they did. And so it really shows that they were they were trying to make something a little bit more than just, you know, a mm-hmm. cheap disposable yeah. B, you know, slasher movie or whatever that, the, that they were trying to go for something else. And then yeah. it just, and it keeps going like that. That attitude is present throughout the film, but this is the yeah. first real glimpse of it. I think. I think that um, the background of you know, watching Chucky run through the background and what they use for that, I believe it's actually Alex Vincent's sister. His sister, yeah. Yeah, dressed. Um, there's something really disturbing <laughs> about that because you're not expecting it. Uh, and also the idea of like, you put the kid to bed and when she grabs Chucky to bring him to bed, she grabs him pretty roughly. You can see yeah. him like banging against the floor mm-hmm. and the table and you're like, you know what Chucky is, so you're kind of disturbed. You're like, oh, that's not going to end really well. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there's like some like, it, there's that like uncanny valley mm-hmm. kind of thing about the way it runs because it looks natural, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it still doesn't. It like rides that line. Like, yeah, there's something yeah. very uh, creepy about that. Like, and like, then like how quick it moves. Yeah, it's too. got a lot of the brood in it. It's like the little brood children like running around like that awkward kids gate that they have where they the limbs don't quite move in a natural way yeah it's that's i've always found that really disturbing yeah and just the um the whole like 
the way the body hits. I mean, we see this a lot in horror, like bodies hitting like a car and then smashing the top. But mm -hmm. the way they achieved it was like basically um, making a, like a dummy and filling it with cement. So you get mm -hmm. something that's way heavier than your typical body. And it really just smashes like that whole, um, you know, obviously it's a stunt person falling through uh, out the window and going down and the flailing of the arms. Like it really you know, it's the poster moment. You see the building and I think the body coming out of it. Um, it really, and also like for a slasher movie, like making the first real death, not just a simple like knife, you know, type of killing, but something really set up like that. And then, you know, the hammer to the head to your point, Rachel, then out the window. Like, I love that. I love this whole scene and how it's done. And it's, yeah, I mean, and it's just, I don't know. To me, the first time I saw it, it was unexpected. Because it's, yeah, I don't know. I liked her. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say, I liked yeah. her. I mean, and I mean, we're, we're going to see like him get like pretty creative like throughout the franchise in like the various ways that he kills, which is mm -hmm. ironic because he's he's called the Lakeshore Strangler, but he doesn't really strangle many people. Yep. He, he kind of can't actually. No, it's hard to you get those tiny little hands, you know, tiny, <laughs> tiny, you know, just you could probably strangle a cat and that's really about it. <laughs> Yeah. There's some funny commentary on the DVD set that the collection mm -hmm. that you were talking about with the seven and where, you know, Brad Dorff as Chucky is like providing mm -hmm. commentary for certain scenes. Mm -hmm. And when he's wrestling with uh, Chris Rand, I forget his character's name, but in mm -hmm. the car and is choking him. He talks about that, like how like, you know, he's a strangler, like made his name as a strangler, but like he mm -hmm. can't actually strangle anybody. This is the yep. only time he gets to do it. And like, yeah. you know, the one thing he was good at got taken away from him. <laughs> so, Detective Mike Norris, which is the most cop name. Like, <laughs> yeah. that is, if your name is Mike Norris, like, you basically, your career choices are either gym coach or <laughs> cop. That's really it. Like, you really, yeah. that's all you can do. Um, moving on from there, you have like the next scene, you have like Andy, like, playing hooky, which is awesome. And there's another <laughs> kid. There's another kid that has hit good his good guy stall with him as well. Um, but you have Andy like playing hooky, riding the Chicago subway on his own. Nobody, no, <laughs> no. one giving any fucks. <laughs> He's so young. Why didn't somebody say, mm -hmm. hey, right? Are you lost? Are you okay? <laughs> nope. When you're on public transportation, you look forward and you mind your own mm -hmm. business. I guess. <laughs> you're like, yeah, he must have a reason for this. <laughs> <laughs> and i love like they're going to find chucky's like ex-partner that abandoned him at the beginning of the movie and drove off and i love this idea like chucky basically whispering to andy saying like all right here's what we got to do you got to help me find this guy and we got to take in andy being like okay i guess we're gonna we're going on a murder spree together <laughs> um and i love andy kind of wandering around like this really decrepit area of Chicago on his own yelling Chucky. Oh, looking for his doll. It's that thing though, that Jessica was talking about how like, you know, he, at this point still like he thinks Chucky is his friend. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't see what happened to Maggie. So like he's starting to suspect, you know, he sees the foot, you know, the, the flower on the bottom of his foot or whatever, mm -hmm. but like he doesn't know quite yet. So, yeah. you know, Chucky says like, hey, let's go for a really long, dangerous walk. And he's <laughs> like, all right, cool. So. That's what friends do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and I love that even though like 
Chucky's already murdered his mom's friend. Andy is still like team Chucky at this point. Still yeah. like, well, of course he killed her. Like he, he wanted to watch the news. He couldn't have been any clearer. So she got what she deserved. It's, it's funny. Like watching this, like between from the, after the TV show, because like in the TV show, it's like, he struggles, like trying to indoctor these teenagers because like, mm-hmm. yes, they are more capable, but they, you know, aren't persuaded as easily yeah. versus with Andy. They've, Andy's so easily persuadable, but like he's a six year old, not very capable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've developed some morality. Like I just started the second episode uh, of the television show. My number one takeaway is like no one involved with the show has been in a middle school for a long time because those <laughs> kids are way not chaotic enough. Like that's not what a middle true. school is. <laughs> so but true. I really love the first show. Um, Jessica, what did you make of like the Chucky detective Mike standoff in the car? Like uh, I love this scene. This Besides the Maggie fall, which is just so beautiful, I think mm-hmm. this might be my favorite set piece. Yeah. Um, first of all, Detective Mike Norris is really flexible. Like, yeah. I was really, really amazed at how he could kind of, like, Spider-Man his way away from the knife at times. It was really impressive. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's such a good encapsulation of the movie because it's funny, but it's also terrifying. And it's you know, creepy and menacing and there's so much going on. There's a lot of action. It's just Chucky is just unhinged. He is so desperate to kill people and so desperate to cause harm. It's such a good piece. Like this extended car chase going wild all over the streets while he's fighting this doll. And you're just wondering what people, if people can see inside the window, what they would be thinking (laughs) at that moment. (laughs) I'm just, I'm obsessed with it. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It, it feels very Sam Raimi-esque. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it ha- it feels Raimi-esque. It has that, like, 80s, like, Richard Donner, like, lethal weapon energy mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. as well in terms of, like, out-of-control action. Um, Chris Sarandon, like, again, underrated performer in the 80s. Also, like, Jerry Dandridge in The Fright Night, in the original mm-hmm. Fright Night movie. Um one of the most attractive men in 80s horror, I mean, have to say as well, yeah. just like gorgeous to look at. Um, and he's playing the, a good guy here. Yeah. I mean, no, no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. Like, <laughs> you know, he's, you know, he's playing a hero role versus like you think mm-hmm. Fright Night and Princess Bride, like he's more of a villainous role. So yes. it's kind of nice seeing him being like, you know, the helpful mm-hmm. neighborhood cop, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and I like, you know, how he, um, does come on to obviously once Chucky does what he does, you kind of have to at that point. But I do like at one point where he kind of almost tries to trick Karen when he's like, Oh, did you pick up Andy after school? Like when he already knows Andy is at the station, just to see if like Karen's gonna mm-hmm. lie to him. Um, I thought like one of the things I like about this scene is like Norris takes what's going on surprisingly well. Like he, aside from like careening out of control when driving, like once he flips over, he keeps his wits about him where I don't know about you again, I would be out of my mind. That's what detective Copperton does. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Excellent. And you see like, Again, like to your point, Rachel, you talked about how like gleeful Chucky can be like he's having fun. And like he could have killed Norris in about five different moments if he really wanted to. But yeah, he's just he enjoying just torturing quiet. 
He could have mm-hmm. just kept quiet and stabbed him in the back. But that's not that's not his way. He's nope. got to make a whole scene out of it. <laughs> yes. Uh, and again, like the little person like running in, in, in the background of the car, like when he's like kind of scrambling around, there's something very disturbing about it. Um, yeah. Let's talk briefly about the jailhouse scene in Andy, because Rachel, I think you mentioned like how disturbing and Jessica, how disturbing the scene was. What in particular, what are the key elements that make it really, really work? Because this looks, number one, it looks like in either an orphanage or an asylum yeah. for disturbed children. And Andy is like locked in a cell, which is really like, is he under arrest? Like what's going on? Yeah, that seems a little over the top like i don't you know maybe he needs some you know therapy sessions but i'm not mm-hmm. quite sure he needs to be like straight up committed right now so i don't yeah i don't know it's a little over the top but really it's andy himself just like we were saying you know his performance there is he's terrified he and that's when he i feel like he really knows for sure that like chucky's not his friend he says it not multiple times end. in that yeah. scene like he's mm-hmm. gonna kill me he's coming to mm-hmm. kill me and like this poor little six-year-old boy mm-hmm. screaming that is just oh god it just like squeezes your heart it does yeah. it's it's so like a combination of like being wrongfully accused and having this innocent little child like a wrongfully accused child who's under lock and key where all the adults around them who are supposed to be taking care of him are just calling him a liar and calling him crazy like it just oh it just eats at me and you know when he can clearly see chucky outside the wind the barred windows trying to get in to get mm-hmm. at him and no one's listening to him they're just trying to drug him so he can't even fight back it's just this is one of the most tense scenes to me yeah. and it's just so heartbreaking yeah yeah i i like i enjoy seeing the that in this film we kind of they spend a lot more time on the aspect of like is Andy lying? Is he not lying? And him trying to convince people. And like, that's a thing in later in the other films, but like this one, it's like kind of the a plot of like, you know, cause mm-hmm. like they really use the dramatic irony very well. Of like, you know, yeah. so like we know that, that he is alive and Andy knows, and then eventually Karen knows. And like, it, it goes step by step in that way, but they mm-hmm. like really kind of control that mystery and like, and um, you know, that frustration of like, you know, but it's also like because I'm demented too. Like it, the the idea of everybody gaslighting a six year old throughout this movie <laughs> is just very hilarious to me. Like when when the detective has to like seriously like when he shows up on the scene of uh, Maggie's Maggie's death and like imagine accusing a six year old of murder with a straight face. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. Oh man, I you know. What's funny is like in the original script and maybe one of the revisions, um, it was a lot more ambiguous whether or not Chucky was behind it or Andy was behind it. And there are definitely moments like in watching it where Andy is a little like he comes off as a bit disturbed for lack of a better term. Yeah, he's definitely a little (laughs) sus. You know, there are definitely a part where you could see him, you know, see a version of this where like Andy is like a killer kid. Um, And I like that they do keep that element in like right down to the end where you get that last shot. And it's kind of the uh, Friday, the 13th final chapter shot of Tommy Jarvis (laughs) uh, where he just turns around and you're like, Oh boy. Um, So I do enjoy that. And what I like in the jailhouse scene too, is you see a little bit of cleverness where he hides under the bed 
makes like a dummy of himself and then scrambles out and locks Chucky in the room. We're like, oh, that's great. Um, but then you realize like Chucky can just fit through the bars anyway and just gets out really easily. Um, the electrocution death of like the warden, I think that's another really good scene, like mm-hmm. really disturbed, probably one of the more graphic ones in the movie. And again, just like a very tense cat and mouse, like slasher movie scene. But instead of being from the point of view of a teenager, it's the point of view of like a kindergarten kid, which adds a whole other layer of like pathos to it. Um, You know, if it had a bigger budget, you almost wonder if like Andy would have had a birthday party and they would have like had the balls to off a couple (laughs) five-year-old kids. Like that's usually a big no, no. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We don't don't get to hmm. killing kids until three. They, 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 they hold off on that for a while. I haven't seen three yet. I, need to watch that so i'm a bad host and i haven't watched all the movies in the franchise that we're covering so but that's I, why I've been, we're on this adventure exactly. Exactly. <laughs> i've been putting off three because my understanding is it's like the nadir of the series so let's see what happens um i do love like you go to the the final act um one moment of levity is when you have like the old woman like that's an ugly doll <laughs> <laughs> Brad Durf's like fuck yeah. you, lady. Like that's great. Um, I forgot. Like rewatching it last week for the show, I forgot how tense this last act is. Like, oh yeah, I mean, this is where the puppeteers really get to shine too, because like yeah. you know they they don't skimp you on you know the Chucky action in the third act mm-hmm. of this movie, as like a lot of other movies will. Like mm-hmm. you know we have Chucky, like he's running around, he's jumping on people, he's doing like all sorts of different things. And uh, we like really get to see like you know the talent behind these puppeteers and like how much how important they are to the performance of Chucky as well. Like uh, it's really cool in the uh, credits for the Chucky TV series, they're credited with the cast instead mm-hmm. of like with the crew, which I think is like a really uh, cool thing because like That's they great. appreciate the work that mm-hmm. these puppeteers do. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it, I mean that is the most impressive thing about this whole movie to me is just. It's, it holds up so mm-hmm. great and like the technology and like if you ever look at any of the like behind the scenes kind of stuff about how they did it like it's mm-hmm. stunning it's mind-blowing as somebody who's not like technologically savvy in any way or like my brain just doesn't work that way that mechanical way like it's incredible to see like how they do it like I still don't understand it's and this is you know what 1988 or whatever like it's yep. it's, it's astounding and it looks so great like it looks mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. yeah Jaeger, Kevin Jaeger, to me, is the secret MVP of this movie, because if Chucky doesn't work, like we're not Mm -hmm. talking about this movie, you know, almost uh, 30 some odd years later. Um, There's like seven puppeteers that animate Chucky. Um, He's 24 years old when he does this, like just coming off of Elm Street 3, where he like, yeah, he'd animated. I think it was like the Freddy snake. He was responsible Uh for like the puppeteering there he came recommended by um rob botin and rick baker um and it's a combination of like the robotics and the puppetry yeah and to, to your point jess uh to your point rachel when you watch the behind the scenes stuff and you see like how detailed everything was and how much yeah. went mm-hmm. into it like to me this is going to be kind of like a, a controversial statement 
But I think like the te- from a technical achievement level, like in terms of how much detail there is with Chucky, I think it's actually more impressive than like Bruce the Shark in Jaws. Oh, I would mm-hmm. 100% agree with that, yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they also uh, like they knew how to shoot it. They knew how to yeah. shoot it and get the right shots and edit it. And it's like a combination mm-hmm. of, you know, his little sister running around. It's a combination of the actual, you know, animatronic puppet. It's, you know, lots of illusions and stuff that the, the fact that they knew how all these pieces were going to go together, mm-hmm. like it could have mm-hmm. gone horribly wrong. But I think that they spent a lot of time in pre-production, a lot of time really thinking about it. And I think that that is just really mm-hmm. such a testament to the film at what, and just like what they were trying to make. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's even like a guy with like a remote control that like, like would do the facial expressions part because like that part was like remote control. So it was like, like, uh, especially in that scene, like whenever Chucky goes to the, the voodoo guy's house and this is like really the first time we see him like in Mm -hmm. full on motion, like, man, I've, I've never gotten to see a Chucky movie in theaters and like, imagine seeing this like on the big screen, like when I got to see the animatronics and gremlins on the big screen, like I almost cried. So it's like, no. if I could see this in a theater, that would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do have the moments where there are like little persons that are playing Chucky as well. When you had like the really fast motion or he had to jump up and it, when you watch the behind the scenes, it's like, it is kind of disturbing, like seeing just the mask before, uh, <laughs> yeah. before everything else is on, but it's like a really, Obviously now like a lot of things are done CGI, but having this like actual physical, like tactical, I think they're like seven Chucky's all together, depending on what they needed. Um, and having like your performers like act up against them makes it. Um, you know, and Kevin Yeager like not only scored the skig, but he scored a wife. Like he actually uh <laughs> oh, that's met right, I forgot Catherine Hicks. They're still married to this mm-hmm. day, which is Amazing. really sweet. Um, you know, I think Catherine Hicks like propositioned him at the cast party, like at the rap party. She was like, not proposition, like, you know, do you want to go on a pile of good guy dolls? And, you know, well, you know, I'm not going to go there, but it's a sweet story. She was like, do we have a little chemistry? And at that point he was like, yes, we did. So Aww. that's really sweet. Um, any other thoughts on like the making of like the, the Chucky doll itself? I mean, I also love how brutal they are when he, like, after the fire, like, when he turns Mm -hmm. all melty. Mm -hmm. Like, that's terrifying. Like, if I saw that as a child, like, that Mm -hmm. face when it's, like, half Mm -hmm. melted and he's still talking and stuff, like, Mm -hmm. that's pure nightmare fuel. Like, and it's such... The f- uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you call it makeup effects because it's on a you know an animatronic doll, but it looks oh yeah, so, it, it looks so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does have that really kind of like warped look to it. Um, and then when he's fine, when Chucky is finally killed, and you hear like the voice, like the the um, good guy voice, kind of like warp and then fade out. Like that's another nice little touch right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we have any other thoughts at all on Child's Play or do we have it covered? I do want to just give a shout out to Joe Renzetti, the composer. Yes. I think that's how you Because the music too, I think is really great and really sells it the way that it's, you know, the way he scores the action sequences, mm-hmm. but also has lots of moments of just like dissonance and atonal stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he's just like tearing apart a piano and, you know, playing up that toy factor, mm-hmm. yes. but yeah. also making it really 
unsettling and unrecognizable. So, you know, all it's all the pieces that come together ultimately that make or break a film. And I think that his is another really important component that makes this film what it is. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I definitely, mm-hmm. I love the score on this as well. Um, the, the current composer, uh, Joseph LaDuca, who would, mm-hmm. he came on at Curse of Chucky and has mm-hmm. scored him since, but the first like five movies were all like different composers, but like him now, he like, remixed like pieces and took pieces from this Mm -hmm. original score to like add into his so it's like um we still get to hear like some of it like permeate through the franchise which is really dope Mm -hmm. you know and laduco who would do the uh, scores for the original evil dead trilogy Mm -hmm. you know now has like two iconic franchises under his belt yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. um my only last note my my last note was like how (laughs) 1988 you see kind of a brief revival of slasher movies like it really had peaked around like 82 you start to see them die out Uh, in 1984 a nightmare on elm street comes out and you have the popularity of like the elm street series and freddy kind of keeping slashers afloat but in 88 you get the return of michael myers you get the dream master which would have been the which was the highest grossing elm street at the time Jason Takes Manhattan, Phantasm 2, which takes a more slasher bent than the original, and then Child's Play. It's a sneaky great year for horror all around. Like, not quite as good as 84, but still like a last gasp of great horror to kind of, as you get near the end of the decade. I also love all the little nods to all the other slasher horror movies Mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. You know, like when Andy's in the closet, it's very, Mm -hmm. you know, like Halloween. Mm -hmm. And then, like, there's a scene where... You know, Chucky's hand has like the wires poking through. It's very like Freddy-ish. And then the mm. obvious, like the shining, the knife through the door mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun that like even yeah. so close to these other films, you know, existing that there's these little like nods and Easter eggs, like paying tribute to them. I always think that's a really cool thing about this. Excellent. Yeah. So any final thoughts? Um, I just like seeing, uh, like revisiting this one to kind of see um, a lot of the like tropes that would like kind of be established throughout the franchise, like do show up here, like, you know, um, with the uh, signature split diopter shots or Mm -hmm. the trope of Chucky always getting melted and maimed in some way, like, you know, like these little things that are going to keep like popping up. We definitely get to see like all those seeds planted here. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's definitely always fun to revisit. I guess I would just always say that, I'm always surprised by how, I don't know, saying how good it is isn't the right way to phrase it. But, you know, a lot of times this franchise gets um, stereotyped for that that humor that it has Mm -hmm. later. And I always forget how this one is playing on a different level (laughs) and um how Mm -hmm. serious it is and how good it is and how it's just it's not quite that yet which i always think is really interesting and i always forget so whenever i see it i'm like oh yeah every time i'm like i just forget how good this movie is and how solid it is and it hasn't quite embraced that personality that it gets in the later ones not that there's Mm -hmm. anything wrong with those it's just a different kind of film Mm -hmm. and i just always appreciate this one for kind of having a hint of that, but not going, you know, not jumping in all the way quite yet. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, like this really stands apart among killer doll movies. Like that's a well-worn trope in horror is creepy dolls, killer dolls. But this one, even, you know, 34 years on is still so unique in the genre. And I just 
that just kind of blows me away that it's carved out this, you know, niche within a niche for itself and nobody can really touch it in that regard. Cause it's just its yeah. own thing with, you know, Don Mancini's vision and so, so many other people too, but you know, just this amazing vision that's just totally unique in the genre. I really appreciate that about it. Yeah. It, to me, it's a movie that like, it shouldn't work. Um, it's such a ridiculous premise, <laughs> but I think because you have such like a, a, a tight movie, there's no fat on this movie. It comes in at under 90 minutes. It gets in, it gets out. It mm-hmm. moves so quick. You almost don't have time to contemplate how ridiculous it is. <laughs> uh, and I mean mm-hmm. that in a complimentary way. Like you're just, and I'm just, it's a technical, it's a technical Marvel as well. Um, mm-hmm. Great cast, a lot of fun. All right. So that wraps up our discussion on child's play. The OG. So we have seven more movies of this to go. Um, I think we may in the patron, we may like tackle the uh, television series. So we might tack that separately. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like kind of a, a new launch or relaunch for us over in the pod in the pendulum where, you know, as I've mentioned before, we are going to have a um, rotating uh, click of folks that are going to come on and join us. Uh, when the mood strikes them and Jessica, Devon and Rachel are all going to be part of that click, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I've reached out to a number of folks who I just like, like to interact with and talk horror with. So I am excited and we will still have guests as well. So um, if you are interested in guesting on the show and you're a writer, a blogger, a director, anyone involved in horror, like you can still reach out. We still want to have guests as well, but I'm really excited to see where this goes. But all of our panelists, they are featured elsewhere. So Rachel, what, where can we find you and what do you have coming up? So coming up, I actually have, um, I think publishing this week an inter- a two-part interview with Joseph LaDuca. Um, so that'll be on Volingo. And then I'll also have some Sundance-related interviews um, hitting Dread Central. So really excited about that. And then um, also got some cool stuff coming up on Losers Club mm-hmm. where um, I contributed to an episode on the Writing the Bullet movie as well as um, the short stories, Writing the Bullet and the Plant. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun. So yeah, you can check those out at Losers Excellent. Club. Excellent. And where can our listeners find you online oh sure yeah yeah yeah. so uh on twitter i'm at vinyl girl g-r-r-r-l and on instagram it's at the vinyl girl <laughs> mm-hmm. excellent jessica how about yourself your stuff is like everywhere like you are <laughs> doing a ton of guest appearances and your writing is appearing in places like what do you have coming up that you'd like to promote? Um, I've got a lot of Sundance reviews and some interviews coming up. They're going to be featured on Film Cred and my site, mm-hmm. We Who Walk Here, and possibly some other places. Um, I've got a couple of articles coming out at Manor Vellum that I'm really excited about um, looking at uh, female slashers and the masks they wear. Um, but yeah, just uh, appearing on... Uh, podcasts that'll have me websites that'll have me i just love talking and writing about horror i'm always sharing um my writing and my podcasts and my cosplay um on twitter at we who walk here um so yeah just come say hi at we who walk here and i'm always sharing that excellent and devon what is going on with the bloody blunts podcast and where can our folks find you yeah, um, the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. We have new episodes every Tuesday. Um, we kind of alternate months between tackling a subgenre or a franchise. 
Um, and we just wrapped up coverage on Scream, and we'll be doing uh, Black Horror Cinema for mm-hmm. February, so super excited for that. And I also uh, do music-related things for uh, Beta Wave TV, another... Uh, I do a podcast, we do like live performances, stuff like that, and uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco, where um, I'll be um, having a short film come out later in the summer, so follow oh, cool. me for updates for that. So yeah, Very cool. Excellent. Uh, well, you, folks, you know me. You can find me at Mike underscore Snoonian. You can find uh, the podcast Twitter at, at Pod and Pendulum over on Twitter. We have a website up now, so podandthependulum.com. That is where you can find all of our episodes, uh, show notes, um, links to uh, all of the podcatchers as well. Um, so it, it's a really nice, clean design, so it's a way you can easily go in and kind of check out shows that you've missed very easily and subscribe very easily. Speaking of, oh, you can find my other show, uh, Psychoanalysis, a horror therapy podcast everywhere that you get your podcast. Uh, As this show comes out, our next theme will be hitting shortly. We're going to be covering um, dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, both from the perspective of persons who suffer from it, as well as, um, the caregivers as well. Um, I think the first movie we're covering is the taking of Deborah Logan. Um, but you can find that show everywhere you get your podcast. But if you love this show, which I hope you do, please take a moment and rate review and subscribe to us everywhere that you get your podcast. Leaving a rating and a review is an easy way for you to support the show and help new listeners find us and also let us know that we are uh, giving you what you want. So that is it for this week's episode of uh, The Pod and the Pendulum. I am really excited to dive deeper into this franchise. I'm really excited to talk about The Bride of Chucky again because... My God, Jennifer Tilly in that movie is just, it should, <laughs> should be illegal to be that beautiful in a movie. Um, and I hope that she hears the episode and doesn't take out a restraining order because I have thoughts. Uh, anyway, that is it for this week. We'll be back in a couple weeks with Child's Play 2. We may have something in between that as a little mini show. Who knows? I don't know. Have a great week. And, you know, everyone go out and be good guys. We are your friends to the end at Pod. My Buddy, from Play School.